0: Part 2, Will it be the Trump Republicans or the Biden Democrats in 2022 and 2024? I say neither. Because, the USA is an evolving dystopia envisioned by Orwell's 1984, where hate overruled love. So, the American Enterprise Party, a swing vote in Congress, represents the humanistic work ethic to combat, the progressive woke government's dehumanizing edicts, for human behavior to conform to the brave new world of genetic mutations and synthetic viruses. With Big Brother and the Brotherhood standing for a culture, where war is peace, slavery is freedom and ignorance is strength. While the American humanism dream, JFK Camelot utopia, is built on capital infusion and the human assets work ethic. The will to work for profit in a free market inherited from our patriotic forefathers must be sustained by each of us. The willful ownership by rendering effort, to be a king of the mountain, has motivated enterprising workers, since the first revolution in 1776 not CRT in 1619, ironically a year before the pilgrim settlers arrived at Plymouth Rock in 1620. Since then, we have allowed our government regulators to impose restrictions and minimum standards on the growth of the private sector, using syntaxation of 46 different types, to control businesses, while building institutional government at all levels. Including our public education system, that is threatening to rewrite our history with critical race theory, to the rejection of patriotic American values. Such thinking is reverse racism, by thinking in squares not let freedom ring, our constitution specifically defines patriotic America and Americans' work ethic, not needing a reinterpretation due to a hate crime in Minneapolis. Those protesters, who want to deify George Floyd are squarely wrong, to make the world go round. Clearly we need to fix our system of justice and that will be a given with the election of a third-party candidate as the swing vote, but a black revolution based on a series of events that justify riots, is a revolt against our American dream which is colorblind, under our Constitution, to those who are colorbound, forget our legacy, theirs is a revolt against peaceful coexistence, that will fail. To this we enterprising Americans, must pledge our patriotism and work ethic to change the hopeless squalor, in the Democratic-run inner-city ghettos, and underprivileged Republican communities into enterprise zones, and provide charter education for rehabilitation of our ghettos and slums into opportunity zones, for supporting colorblind small business enterprises, in the following ways, this must take away all excuses of the progressives, to elicit support and labor of the 30,000 gangs with over a million gunslinging members in America, for rebuilding their hoods into examples of the best of the human new deal to make America equal and equitable in its application of the American dream. That means equality is personal freedom, equity means the resources to restore and reimagine our inner cities, and small marginalized communities, into productive powerhouses, serving a worldwide underprivileged market with the consumer price index rising from a $1 worth of purchasing power in 1955, to requiring 10.58 times as much to stay up with costs in 2021, and the unemployment rate floating between 4.1% in 1955, to 10.8% in 1982, to 40% in 2020 during the pandemic. It is no wonder that the decline in the American lifestyle values and work ethic prevents businesses from creating profitable, high-quality jobs. As prices increase, Due to the cost of capital, interest rates being gamed by the Federal Reserve System, and the reduction of purchasing power of the dollar, revenues, profits and stock market, will spiral downward and the national debt upward. Our financial condition is woefully built, on a House of Cards and a Senate of Shards, by not reporting on generally accepted accounting principles, GAAP, as demonstrated on the National Debt Clock www.usedebtclock.org. It's the new entitlements that deprive enterprise of much needed capital to create jobs and reduce American workers' dependency on government, unemployment benefits, minimum wage, public service pension debt, stimulus bribes to not work, workers' compensation, food stamps, welfare, reparation, enforcement agencies for collecting taxes. These all waste depleted tax revenues. Also, some 115 million public sector workers in the United States, including teachers, police, and firefighters, state and municipal employees, judges, and legislators, and another 7 million federal and military employees participate in government pension plans. These pension systems are extraordinarily diverse in design, investment policy and governance, and they face substantial challenges, as the government sector workforce ages, and governments are asked to take on new and different tasks. This in itself will sink our future. Vote for personal freedoms and prosperity. Then we are more capable of competing with China, its 748 million workers and other communist countries by being the efficient, effective, accountable great
1: American enterprise. Good afternoon, America. This is Jerry Rhodes coming to you from Chicago, Illinois. It's the podcast, the American Enterprise Party. You may have noticed that I've been offering up recorded voices It's uh, utilizing my scripts. I thought it might be a little more professional sounding until my wife said it sounds mechanical. So I thought I would soften up the mechanics here and, uh, just let you know that I'm going to integrate, uh, live entertainment, so to speak with, uh, with replayed, uh, scripts that I have written. And I put it through software called Specio, which is amazing because it can take the written text scripts and convert it to a nice radio sounding voice. But in the meantime, I plan to go back to doing my own, uh, my own version of uh, what the American Enterprise Party stands for. I've mentioned uh, up until now, the publication of my new books, the American Enterprise Party Trilogy uh, in volume one. It uh, is subtitled, The Swing Vote to Drain the Swamp and Reign in Big Brother and the Brotherhood. And in this particular episode asking the question, will it be the Trump Republicans or Biden Democrats in 2022 and 2024? I say not necessarily, but that also speculates on the success I have in trying to get the American Enterprise party off the ground. Uh, I formed, the proper um, organization. I have a I have a uh, not-for-profit go-funding account for the American Enterprise Party, where I'm soliciting a dollar from each of the 170 million enterprising Americans. Enterprising Americans means those people that pay all the bills. Pay good 46% of the taxes. And how can I say all the bills? Because Bill Gates doesn't pay his bills. His entities do. And whatever he needs, he's provided by his his uh, own personal enterprise. But the enterprising Americans are the ones that have made that happen. Particularly the ones that are entrepreneurs and, and those people inventing products applications for the internet so on and so forth so in the in the first volume and i've got th- three volumes i have volume one which is the sw- about the swing vote and why we need that and in volume two it's called the the manifesto which is really um, presenting how that can happen. How can we take a shot at the war on debt and deficits and position America so it's uh, solvent instead of trailing China in uh, future development because we're shifting our wealth to China each time we have a, 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 an imbalance in trade with countries, we're shipping our wealth to that particular country because they're shipping back from their their manufacturing of supply line goods, they're shipping them right back to us and charging us for the ship, shipping costs. And the shipping costs on a container have gone up from $3,000 per container to 30,000. So who's winning that war? It's a trade war. We're not. We're the consumers for the world, but also underwater when it comes to balancing our fiscal and and financial stability. So what the heck can we do about that? Well, in 1991, I started by listening to Gingrich and Dole when they said they were presenting a 10-step contract with America that would solve deficits, prevent deficits, go to zero-based budgeting, take all of the power out of the hands of the, uh, the uh, committee chairman who are the old-timers and the staid thinkers. Well, it sounded good. It didn't happen. And so I thought, hmm, well, who do I vote for? Well, that was a Republican uh, proposal, which didn't happen. No, uh, Clinton happened instead. And what we got was a Democrat that understood, maybe he had never been in business, but he understood the uh, balancing of the budget and creating resources rather than deficits. He utilized technology that's when we started out with the internet. Um, uh, We had our economies gained through uh, improved communication, improved distribution of goods. Um, Amazon came along. Um, Who made that? Microsoft made it, allowed it to happen in terms of uh, automating what they now call blockchain software, attaching businesses to a common denominator, which is our gross domestic product. But over the years, whether it be Democrat or Republicans, we continue to get uh, power in the hands of the few. That's called a, a, a uh, autocratic, or autocracy. What is our autocracy here? Well, it's 100 senators, 435 House of Representatives, nine Supreme Court justices, and a president. Well, how does that become an autocracy? Well, we also have uh, a two-party system. And the two-party system is pushing for total control. So when the president also has the the Senate and the House, we have a uniparty. We no longer have who breaks the tie, who brings in new ideas that have to be debated. We lose all that. What we have is an autocratic approach to one party or the other. And looking back to today, how's that working for us? When we're on the books, 28 trillion in debt, but behind the scenes were 158 trillion in obligations that haven't been recorded on the books. We're cooking the books with each administration, blaming the other one. And so we got a Donald Trump, and he was going to bring business to politics. Well, politics didn't like that. You know, even the Republicans of the party he decided he was going to jump to so he could get voted or get elected, didn't even support him in many respects. Why is that? Well, Donald, being Donald, needed to have some humility along the way. If he'd have been humble, he'd still be the president. And he had the right uh, vision but he didn't have a plan to support the vision. A plan takes other people, brings them on board and they're designated certain responsibilities and you coordinate that towards certain objectives and goals and, and benchmarks. Well, Donald used the stock market as a benchmark. Um, well, the, the stock market is speculation. It is is what I call it, and many people call it a derivative bubble, that it depends on, the speculation depends on whether they're selling short or selling long on the performance of the economy. But that effect is not direct. It sometimes takes a bull market to, to shape up an inefficient government or a Uh, bear market to strip away resources so the organization can become solvent. Well, we've had too many uh, bull markets and not enough bear markets because Donald Trump certainly wasn't a bear. He was a bull. And now what do we have? Because uh, we dumped Trump and you've got your own idea ideas, I'm sure, on why that happened and how it happened. And I, and I talk about that in the podcast, which is just my opinion. But I think it's pretty clear that the electorate uh, needs to have some kind of conformity to uh, IDs and, and some form of proof when you vote. And if that's not going to happen, all we have is a Russian facade of voting, or China, where they don't even bother to vote, and when you have a unit party, one one party runs the government, they do have, in today's technology, the ability to control uh, a one-party government, and that's what China has. China is the CCP, Chinese Communist Party, Inc., is um, in terms of employees the biggest enterprise in the world. We we have less enterprising Americans than they have enterprising Chinese. We supposedly have 330 million in our census, but not everybody works, not everybody generates uh, profit for the Gross domestic product, or the gross national product. So, we're we're ahead if you use the gross domestic product as the report card, not the stock market, but GDP, and that's even based upon uh, financial information. It's not even uh, it's it's not even based on generally accepted accounting principles. We really don't know where we are, and neither does China. So China is going to go, and I've I've read it in their plans, it's going to go to generally accepted accounting principles for uh, for their books and their reporting because what's happening with them has happened with us for the last 50 years is that we lose money every year, but we hide it. We do not disclose it. The the deficits are represented by the debt. You take all of the debt that's been accumulated, and that's the amount of the losses that we've had. Because basically, you have to be cash in, cash out. Ultimately, if you spend more money than you bring in, then you have a deficit. And if you don't have enough money to pay all your bills, then you have debt. So, I mean, it's pretty simple accounting if you do it right. But governmental accounting or institutional accounting has been allowed to just use the budgetary system, and that's cash in, cash out. So in America, on our budgetary system, where we have a budget, which we never comply to the budget anyway, we have tax revenues coming in, and we've increased the tax revenues coming in in a year by forcing everybody to estimate what their taxes are for that year. So that's technically deferred to the next year, but we take it in the budget as if we can use it this year. And then on our expenditures, we're only recording things as they're paid, not as they're incurred, like pension pension, uh, debt or pension uh, commitments. Those aren't on the books. All we do is when we fund it, and we're not funding government pensions at any level, but they're all written into law and they're all fully paid by the taxpayers. Well, the taxpayers don't have enough money to pay them. So in effect, it's debt that we're incurring. And where do we borrow the money? Well, the, the places that we're borrowing are the, those countries that have imbalance of trade. If they if they're selling us more than they're buying from us, we're having to incur a negative flow of goods and services. So that, in effect, is debt. It accumulates on the books of China, and they have 1.3 trillion of our, of our treasury notes supporting an imbalance of trade that's been going on for years. So does Japan. So does South Korea. So does India. So does uh Canada, so does Mexico, et cetera, et cetera. America has been, in the past, the supply line for the world. Over the last 20 years, because of the cost of labor in this country, because of the entitlements, and we now have 13 or 14 entitlements to to foot the bill in business, 40% government overhead, we've shifted the manufacturing and, and the creation of the goods to cheaper, cheaper labor. China, Japan, South Korea, Vietnam, India. And then we're, we're having to buy back the finished goods. And then we have to pay the supply cost to get them here, to get them to our shelves and to our trucks and trains and distribution network. And that imp- increases the cost. So we're not saving anymore on the labor because it's all being eaten up and how to get the, the the supply lines to bring the goods here. And now the cost is we can't get them unloaded because there's not enough labor here to do it because the labor's over there. well, how do we how do we fix this? Well, we, we say, okay, we'll bring the supply lines for pharmaceuticals and and steel and clothing and all that back here. Well, good luck. That'll take two two decades. It took two two or three or four decades for it to happen. How are we going to fund that? You know, are we going to keep continue to borrow from those countries, some enemies, and and just let it accumulate and hope we can outgrow the problem? Because that is basically Trump's vision. And he's a salesman. And the salesman always says, we can outgrow debt, and we can outgrow deficits. Well, those are the companies that, that go insolvent and, and go bankrupt. And this country has 60,000 new companies every month, and we got 60,000 going bankrupt. This is a country of risk takers because of the bankruptcy laws that allows everyone to fail, reorganize, and come back. Other countries, it's not happening. Well, that's one of the reasons that we're, we're 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 creating all the products because people are trying to do things with ideas, taking the risks, and hoping, as a part of the American dream, that they will be wealthy. Well, in the process, we've shifted the wealth of everyone overseas, and to get that back, we need to have a third party, and I call it the Swain Party, the American Enterprise Party, that's founded on the principles of enterprise. First principle is we have to do our books on the generally accepted accounting principles so we know where we are, and we have to have a, a government of the people, for the people, by the people, not the golden rule Were those with the gold rule. The size of our companies would indicate the, the lack of control of what our government has over our economy, because that cumulative uh, is putting pressure on our Constitution. Where in the world did Facebook get the right to, to cancel our president or former president or anyone? You know, if I were president, I'd close them. They're a service company. They're not creating food or pharmaceuticals or or clothing or a service. Oh yeah, they're a marketing company. And Amazon is a distribution company. They don't create products. The gross domestic product is the ones that are manufactured and sold and, and negotiated as a transfer of money between two parties. The basic, you know, the uh, Wealth of Nations, if you want to read it, is all on the basis of what makes up enterprise. Well, America is the greatest enterprise ever, ever made or developed. And now we're treating it like it's an institution. In effect, why we're not being able to manage this giant monolith is because we've institutionalized everything. Institutionalized health welfare, education, uh, enforcement, the judicial system, everything is around a di- an institution. So now America in totality is looked at as an institution. Institutions have no accountability. They have no one sitting on top that you can blame when things go wrong and you can give credit to when you go, go right. All we got is a president. And the president's either blamed or he's saluted as being the savior. Well, it's not working so good. Because in institutional accounting, which we've got, we don't know where we are. With institutions running everything, we have no idea what these institutions are are, are doing or accomplishing. So our health isn't good. Our education isn't good. We rank 38th in health. We rank 74th in education and math skills and Where are we going with this? We need a third party. We need some other voice. And that voice is enterprising Americans that don't have a voice. Takes millions and billions and zillions to run for any office, and you have to be famous to even get it done then. So we built this whole institutional design, which used to be an enterprise design, around a popularity contest. And people like myself and you, whoever's listening to this, really don't have a say. And we will not have a say as, as as this thing gets bigger and worse. Because right now, we have a leader that I call the Wizard of Oz, who's hiding behind that screen with all these other incompetents around him. Okay, well, you're saying it's Biden's fault. No. Biden's saying it's Trump's fault. And Trump's saying it's it's Obama's fault. Obama's fa- uh, saying it's uh, Bush's fault. And Bush saying Clinton. And Clinton saying uh, Bush. And Bush saying Carter. Oh, my God. Maybe they're all at fault. Because in a one leader uh, like China, yeah, they either they rise or fall on on Xi's uh, success. I don't think America... Is built on that teeter-totter, frankly. So what I'm going to try to do through these podcasts is present to the listener new ideas. We don't have any new ideas coming out except from from technology. Technology entrepreneurs around the country are so dynamic, it's unbelievable. But that's going to be squashed by one-party government. That's what happened in East Germany and and Russia, and it'll happen to China. China, well, if we go down, China goes down big time. It's just like we're their biggest customer, and we are not using our leverage. We're giving in because I call call it appeasement. Our president is an appeaser, pleaser, geezer, and he's got uh, ties with foreign countries that are not built on... What America stands for, and that's competition, fair competition, free enterprise, laissez-faire. China is not practicing that. Our competitors that are that control the supply lines, they should be over here unloading their damn products, not us. They should be paying the shipping costs. Hell, in a business, the manufacturer will charge the customer for for some if the destination if you pay on the destination rather at the at the at the manufacturing point none of that has been designed like a, a, an effective business deal so our trade agreements are all screwed up they're not even on the basis of enterprise so in this context my three books volume 1 why do it volume 2 how do you do it it's got extensive ways of taking problems, not issues. Issues are just, they just table things. It's just a disagreement. We're not forced to come up with any kind of a solution. My kids, everyone, they they call everything an issue. Well, where did that come from? Well, the politicians, they've been using it for a hundred years if they don't want to have to deal with a problem. So our whole economy is based on the woke word issue. You want to talk about a woke word. So we have to be able to in a definitive way, which would be our plan for our turnaround, and I call this the plan of reorganization, which is what companies have to do when they're going bankrupt. Uh, that's that's the second book, is that's the plan of reorganization. How are we going to do this? What are the problems? How are we going to approach them? How are we going to win win the war on Cold War on our opposition we need to be a team the, America is a huge needs to be well actually decentralization says we have to we have 50 teams and we have 50 head coaches that's the way the country should be run and we have one head coach of the 50 and we have a game plan if you've ever been in sports the goal of course is to get out of the red zone into the end zone. And I've written a book on America's in the red zone. I've written a book on healthcare for all. I've written a book on, I have nine healthcare books. My background is healthcare. I have five poetry books because I've been writing poetry for years and another five or so political books, over 20 books in the last five to six years after I retired basing it on my 60 years of experience in the business world and I've never ran for office. I really run on my treadmill. That's about the extent I do it these days, but I would like to be a part of solving th- these problems. We cannot just say they'll go away or we just can't say we can grow our way out of them or we can't say, um, I don't want to hear it, you know. My kids don't want to hear it from me. So it's going, it's them that's going to inherit this mess and their grandchildren, because this cannot go on. The derivative bubble is being inflated by each administration that hasn't been held accountable for any kind of standards other than minimum standards, relegated in uh, in ninety thousand pages of regulations that no one's read. Hell. The, 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 the senators and representatives don't even read the 2,500 pages of, of health care and the 10,000 the 10, pages of plans and budgetary things. They expect their staff to tell them what to do. Well, that's a hell of a system. I'm going to be running out of time because I only get 30, 30 minutes on this part of my podcast. So from now on, I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to be recording some things. Speech D-O, DO takes text and converts it to uh, audio, and I've got some better voices maybe than I can generate right now because I'm I'm not a professional broadcaster. But anyway, I'm going to be bringing those to you also with my rants and raves and maybe a little more personal touch to what this party stands for. And I don't have many members. I'm I'm using this media and my books and uh, my articles and my GoFunding approach to try to get the message out. Because no one really knows who I am or what this is all about so now i got the red coming at me on my on my podcast so um, hang in there i am going to be bringing some interesting stuff i'm going to be reading out of the trilogy the american enterprise party trilogy of why to do it how to do it who's going to do it who's going to do it are you folks enterprising americans that go to work every day and commit themselves to their families and to their kids future Uh, through education and job opportunities. So that's all I got energy for today. So I'll be coming back at you. Thanks for listening.
0: Part two, our government is cooking the books and lying about Medicare and Medicaid. I am a CPA with 59 years experience in healthcare, ranging from cost accountant to consultant to licensed healthcare administrator to owner of skilled nursing homes to author and now podcaster regarding healthcare and politics during that time as a consultant with Arthur Anderson and Company and Blue Cross of America helped to roll out Medicare and Medicaid in the 1960s and with CPA firms in the 70s and 80s then having my own CPA firm that served skilled nursing homes nationally my wife son and I assisted our hundreds of clients using our AI software to appeal Medicare denials so the patient could get their 100 days of restorative care and return home we were able to assist 140 skilled nursing facilities to utilize Medicare Part A, to restore 40,000 patients and discharge them home, saving the Medicaid program millions, if not billions, for properly getting the traditional Medicare coverage, in spite of denials of coverage. We never lost an appeal, because of the documentation our system provided to prove coverage, due to medical severity and complications requiring skilled interventions. The problem in reality, is the huge government bureaucracy, cannot manage a program of any sort, let alone the most important service commitment there is, the health and welfare of our senior citizens. Privatizing our health care insurance and delivery of skilled care must be shifted as affordable delivered costs the old-fashioned way, economize on getting the beneficiaries well and back home, aging in place, until they are ready for congregate care. This is diabolical for future health care services, because the costs will climb because the 77 million baby boomers are not healthy and the services required, supposedly to paid for by Medicare, will not be there. More will be left at home to die, under the academic theory of aging in place, or in real terms stay at home to die. Solution, stop lying to Americans. Particularly the aging American. Medicare and Medicaid and Obamacare aren't what you are told. They aren't funding the best healthcare in the world. In fact, America is the highest in cost per patient but 38th in quality. Singapore is number one in quality and lowest in cost per patient. Of course, nothing is a guarantee, except the fact that healthy Americans have a better quality of life and aging, than do the 117 million who have been diagnosed to have one or more chronic disease codes. And guess what, those codes are devised to cut Medicare costs not to prevent, cure or restore anybody or anything but the federal healthcare budget. So, if the budget is the way the monopsony game is played, why not privatize healthcare, let each American fund and pay their own healthcare bills, and hold the providers accountable for outcomes, not just their incomes. This is called self-health, shift the paradigm to self-health insurance funding trust. How does that work? Much like Social Security, each American has their own self-health funding trust account that is funded, by withholding from our paychecks, up to 5%, matched by our employer, that over an average work life of 45 years, totals approximately $3 to $5 million. Then using an average return on our investment of 6% the money put aside to pay provider claims will accumulate a return on its average balance. If the account goes negative there are safety nets in place to loan the money to the beneficiary. The investment being in a mutual self-health insurance company that uses the money to pay claims and invest the surplus in the stock and or bond market. This way, the 40% overhead currently added on the cost of care being run by the monopsony, we save 1 trillion dollars per year in wasted administrative resources, funding the payroll cost of the bureaucrats who police and deny claims that will restore the elderly seniors back to health. To make aging in place feasible. Everyone wins, and we have a formula for reducing the size of the bloated monopsony government of special money ticks interests. Do you believe Congress is obligated to fulfill their promises to senior citizens? If so, you need to vote for the American Enterprise Party, as the swing vote for balancing the books and Medicare and Medicaid budget, and while draining the swamp of woke alligators. This third party break the two-party gridlock, and pull the extremes of both parties towards the middle road of common-sense legislation based on the America Constitution.